It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth, presented by Core Water. Hey, welcome in to the Stinky Truth Podcast. Marshall Earth alongside Mike Evans, Scott the Huff, producing the show. Got to thank our presenting sponsor, the great people over at Coor Water. Uh, HydrateWithCoor.com for more information. I'm telling you what, you're going to love this water. A giant bottle, big blue cap, easy to find anywhere you get water like 7-Eleven or your local grocery store. And I'm telling you what, smooth crisp, clean, award-winning taste, um, a pH balance that uh, perfectly matches your body, a pH of 7.4 so that you hydrate more quickly. Check them out, hydratewithcore.com. Mike, how are you, buddy? Very good, very good. Um, are you one of those where there's smoke, there's fire type guys? You, Yeah, usually, yes. I am a – usually there's something like – Nothing ever just like comes crops up out of the blue and people start reporting things. There's always a little bit of there's always a little bit of smoke. There's always something going on and it may not be entirely true and it may get fabricated a bit and it may get, you know, blown out of proportion, but it usually comes from a place where there is some tension or there is something going on. You know where I'm going with this? Yes, I do. I know Aaron exactly Rodgers, the yep. Packers and this uh, Bleacher Report story about all kinds of dysfunction and Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers not getting along, and McCarthy has to come out and say, I wasn't missing meetings so I could be getting a massage. And now Aaron Rodgers says that this is all some giant smear attack. What about it? Is there enough smoke to make you think that there's some legitimacy to this stuff? Well, I, I mean, I think— Denials aside. Right. No, I think there's, I, I think there's certainly tension between Aaron Rodgers and, and Mike McCarthy— I think anytime you're you're coaching, you know, a superstar, um, anytime you're coaching a guy that's got an opinion about what he wants to run and he's the guy that's got to execute it, yeah, there's going to be some tension. Um, and and that's all right. I mean, that, there's that's how the NFL operates. There are, there are always those moments. Um, and I've done this with coaches. I've with the coaches that I respect, that I love, that I that I care about that I think are just stupid at times. Like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, there's been techniques I've been coached to do that I'm just like, no, I'm not going to – I won't do it in the game. Like, you can grade me down, but that's just dumb. Like, so, of course, there's been tension. Do I think there was some tension between Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers? Of course there is. Um, and, And that doesn't surprise me at all. Now, is it to the point where they couldn't work together? It to the point where there was a lack of mutual respect. Um, I, I don't. Keep I don't going. Bo- You're leaving one crucial what next step. Was it so bad that Aaron Rodgers said, "It's him or me. He's got to go." Aaron Rodgers, coach killer. See, I mean, I, come on. You know, I mean, he wouldn't be the first guy accused of that. No, I don't think. I don't think that it was ever that bad. And I don't know that Aaron Rodgers, you know, walks into that facility and and starts dictating to, you know, Mark Murphy, um, who is you know the president of the Packers. I, I don't I don't think it's I don't think it was to that point. Um, so I don't I don't buy that. But I know there's some there's some hard headedness and and there's some tension there between Aaron Rodgers. And I know that you know. That Aaron Rodgers isn't always the most liked guy on his on his football team. I, I get that part of it, and you know I think that's I think 
You know, I think if you went to the Chargers, for instance, I think there would be guys that don't really like. I, I'm sure Philip Rivers gets after people to where you know that there is some tension there between Philip Rivers and some of the the people that coach him and some of the players on that roster. You know, I know it's true for Matt Ryan. I was I was doing a Atlanta game talking to Matt Ryan and and he was like, "You know, one of the things I had to work on um as a leader of of our football team was I had to I had to kind of almost tone down my message. Like I can get after a guy so like so hard that, you know, I can alienate guys instead of trying to, you know, where I'm trying to coach them up and I'm holding them accountable, it can get to the point where I alienate them. You know, and so it's something that I think, like, a lot of great players have an issue with because they've been given, especially at the quarterback position, you've been given, uh, you know, the reins. You're the guy that executes. You're the guy that calls the play. You're the guy that has to go out there and, you know, and 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 basically run the show. And there's so much that is run from the line of scrimmage in today's game that you have all that responsibility. When somebody doesn't do what you need them to do, you know, I've seen Peyton Manning just absolutely eviscerate guys in practice. You know, I, I'm sure that there's some tension there, and there are guys that walk away from that and don't like that particular player. You know, he aired me out in front of the team. and I, So I know that happens. You know, I, it, this is an interesting story. So Aaron and I have had our, our we have a oh Aaron and I yeah I mean me and Aaron oh now it's me and Aaron just the two of us moving them guys in the sky I mean when I talk about Aaron Rodgers it's Aaron Rodgers right you know but it's so, never Aaron and I well so go, do tell Rodgers Aaron Rodgers <laughs> and yours truly. <laughs> Have a relationship uh, that goes a little bit maybe beyond football. Not, I mean, not like we're text buddies or anything, but, um, but you know, occasionally we've texted. Like, not like it happens all the time, but occasionally, you know, that, that happens. So he's getting ready to play in the Super Bowl. And it's a Thursday morning. I'm working for ESPN. And my phone rings, and it's Aaron Rodgers. And he's like, dude, you've played in a bunch of these. He's like, McCarthy's driving me crazy. And and the whole, the whole premise of the conversation was McCarthy is so stressed out and he's grinding so hard that, you know, it's, it's becoming, you know, it's just becoming a burden on the players. Like, and he's like, you know, what do I do? And I go, dude, you got to, I'm like, you got to break that up. Like, you got to go out and have some fun at practice and kind of, you know, McCarthy was so laser focused and driving the guys that like practice was just like, it was like drudgery instead of having fun. And I go, and you got to break that up, whatever that is, you know, goof around and stretch, do something ridiculous, like break the ice type of thing, like lighten the mood a little bit. Um, and you know, you're the quarterback, you're the starting quarterback. You got to be able to do that. You got to kind of take, take it, you know, in, in your own hands, so to speak. And that was like the Thursday before the Super Bowl. And this is, gosh, how many years ago was that? I mean, it was a long time ago. What? Eight, nine years ago? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, has there been tension there? I'm sure there's been tension. 
has it been to the point where it's either him or me? I can't believe. Um, I can't believe that it would ever get that far. And like I know Aaron well enough to think that he would. He he would never. He would never go there. I I just can't believe that he would do that. So I tend to believe what he said in defending himself. But I. I, I guarantee you there's tension, man. He's he's a demanding cat. You know, he wants it done the way he wants it done. And and I I I mean, I guess I understand that aspect of it. But I still I sense that there's been a bit of a shift when it comes to how people view Rodgers. Uh, up until this point, I think it's always just been widely believed most talented quarterback in the NFL, mm-hmm. fantasy football darling. Everyone likes Aaron Rodgers, you know, right. from the State Farm commercials the to relax, all that stuff. But yet I, I sense that there's been a bit of a shift, and, and, and it's now sort of gone to the point where it's like, all right, Aaron Rodgers, you, you should have done more by now. It shouldn't be just one Super Bowl. That long ago, you need another one. And now perception's perception, but sometimes perception can be viewed as reality and that McCarthy's gone, you're still here. And the guy who's the new head coach, Matt LaFleur, is, you know, an unproven first-time head coach. He's an offensive young guru, sort of with the idea for a lot of people that, hey, you're going to be able to do what you want to do and he'll be more than willing to acquiesce to you. So I, I just I just get a sense that there's a little bit more of a shift towards, all right, Aaron Rodgers. What's next? What do you what do you, yeah go 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 prove to us that you're truly one of the all time greats. I think he's he's entered that position right now, Stink, where one Super Bowl is great, but I think there's a feeling that there should have been more. And if he really wants to go down as one of the all time greats, he's got to win another Super Bowl. Well, I I I think that's one way he'll always be judged. You know, how many Super Bowls do you have? And I think I mean, you know that as a quarterback. I mean, John, like John Elway here in Denver, always you say, no, I'd be you know fine without my career, but you know, ever winning a Super Bowl. And then when he won one, he's like, finally got that monkey off my back. Yeah, it wouldn't have been okay, right? So you can say whatever you want, but yeah, I mean, to to legitimize your career. As the one of the greatest of all time, you got to have multiple. You know, you got to have multiple rings. I, I will tell you this: that I think the Green Bay Packers fall in to a situation like a lot of teams fall into when you have a quarterback who is just elite. Is that that guy covers up so many warts on your roster that you tend to believe you're better than you really are, and. You know, we could look at and point the finger to Ted Thompson and his unwillingness when he was the general manager of the organization to go in and dip into free agency and plug any holes. And, you know, and Aaron Rodgers makes up for enough mistakes um, across the board that, you know, you, you feel a lot stronger about your roster. I used to say this all the time back when Peyton Manning was going 12 and 4 every single year and having an opportunity in Indianapolis to, to go to a Super Bowl. And I used to say it all the time, and I was like public MMA number one in in Indianapolis. I'm like, that that's legit an eight and eight roster with a quarterback that makes him twelve and four every year. Like there are so many holes within that roster, and people in Indianapolis would be so you know just pissed off about it, right? And then they lose Peyton Manning, 
I think Curtis Painter was their quarterback, and they went two and fourteen. I was like, wow, I drastically overestimated the talent on that roster. Like that was not an eight and eight roster at all. You know, that's a a four and twelve roster with terrible quarterback play that you went two and fourteen with. So I think that happens to a lot of teams, and I think I think the Green Bay Packers have fallen into that to some degree. Is that Aaron Rodgers is that good that he makes up for you know a multitude of sins, and I think one of the things you have to do is you have to be able to look at yourself, you know, realistically and say, okay, where are we right now, and how are we going to upgrade this football team to give him the most legitimate chance to compete for a world championship? Because there's nothing wrong with his quarterbacking skills. I guarantee you that. Yeah, and I think Aaron Rodgers is still uh, very well liked. I don't know if he's be- – yeah, I think he's still kind of beloved. You know, I think people look at Aaron Rodgers and there's, sure. there's a genuine feeling of, hey, I like that guy. I'd like to have beers with that kind of guy. I'm just, I, I think there's just been a small shift and that it's a little bit more like, well, hey, wait a minute. Is Aaron Rodgers kind of tough to deal with? Is right. Aaron Rodgers – you know, does did he get Mike McCarthy fired? And and I understand why he's trying to tamp this story down because if you, if you lend any – oxygen to it, then your smoke does become a fire, and now people are like, oh, wow, you just got Mike McCarthy fired. Right. What a dick move, Aaron Rodgers, that kind of thing. So I could see, I just think it's it's something that bears watching. Because remember, you know, when that Seth Wickersham ESPN piece came out about all the dysfunction with the Patriots, at mm. first it was met with, nah, 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 and then it became very clear over the subsequent months that there were real issues. Right. Not, not to keep from winning another Super Bowl, but there sure. were there. They were there, and in the aftermath... Uh, plenty of stories came out and admission from the people involved that, yeah, you know, we did some things differently than we have in the past as an acknowledgement of of that. But uh, at least I think Aaron Rodgers is still pretty well liked. Unlike, unlike Antonio Brown, is Antonio Brown on a mission to just prove what a dick he is? Uh, yeah. I mean, because really, he's acting like a dick right now. Uh, apparent, yeah, apparently. Like, you got everything you wanted. Like, you got everything you wanted, right? You got out of Pittsburgh. Even though you were one of the highest paid receivers in the league, you got more guaranteed upfront money from the Raiders. You got a a raise in this three-year restructuring of your contract, right? You got, I mean, you got everything you wanted. And on your way out, you still have to take shots at the guys that were there. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't, I guess I just don't understand what is he trying to accomplish? I mean, you got what you wanted. You're out. You're free. You're a Raider now. You know, and I saw this piece from, I was watching this one around the internet yesterday um, where he was on LeBron's TV show, you know, LeBron's barbershop show. And he was like, I've got zero ego, man. It's not about ego. I just want to win. And I just, I just laugh. I'm like, dude. You yeah, you just want to win as long as you get twelve targets and one hundred and seventy six yards receiving. Then you're okay with winning. Get four targets and and twenty six yards receiving, and win, and you're not happy at all. And you you'll let it go for one week, but if it happens to you two weeks in a row and you win, you're going to be disappointed with winning, and you're going to become a a constant problem. You're you're the type of guy who's completely okay with having a losing season as long as you're getting 10 to 12 targets a game. That's who you are. You are completely delusional in your value 
and the value you bring to an organization. <laughs> you're, you're delusional. You think that you win because of you. And, you know, it was funny because I was doing this radio interview um, a couple days ago, and they were asking me about, you know, the, the curious Odell Beckham Jr. move, right? And shipping Odell Beckham Jr. out of New York and keeping Eli, when clearly Eli is the problem. Odell Beckham is, you know, one of the most dynamic players in all the National Football League. And my answer to that was, how many games you win with the most dynamic player in the National Football League? How many games you win with that guy? Well, if we just had better quarterback play, really? Is, is that what it is, just better quarterback play? No, the fact is that guy can't impact the game unless you're doing things, unless you're controlling the line of scrimmage and you're doing things um, to lend to, to lend itself to the quarterback being able to function. Sure, Eli's not what he once was, but but, I mean, think about building a football team. If you continue to do the same thing, you're going to go through the next three years without winning games with the most dynamic player on the outside. You know, in Odell Beckham Jr., you're still not going to win anything. And Dave Gettleman, their general manager, is a believer in building a team from the inside out. So that's, you know, that's what you're doing with Odell Beckham Jr. You're moving him. Like one of the pieces, one of the pieces that they got back with was this guy, the guard named Zeitler. Who's a first round pick out of Cincinnati? He 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 was a first round pick to the Cincinnati Bengals. Then went to Cleveland. He's a hell of a player. You're trying to build an offensive line of scrimmage. Like you're you you know as a general manager, we could use the next three years with the most dynamic player in football if you want to call him that. And we're still not going to win jack with that dude. And as far as Antonio Brown is concerned, like. Dude, if you don't do the other things that require you, you know, that you're required, if you don't tackle well, if you don't block people well, if you don't do those things well, I I don't, you're not going to impact the game. You're not going to win. But again, I don't think that he's concerned about winning. I think he's concerned about compiling statistics. And that's the ultimate in selfishness. And to me, I get that, but why the unprovoked attack on Juju Smith-Schuster? Because you're an ass. Why Why are you an ass? Because you've allowed, you've been allowed to be an ass and you've got this overinflated opinion of yourself and your value. Yeah, I tell this to young guys all the time. You're going to get done playing, you know, and all those people that glad-handed you. I mean, I can't tell you how many people... During the course of my career, I mean, how many times you get, and I played offensive line. Come on. I mean, I was nobody. But how many people glad hand you? Like, hey, man, come see me when you're done playing. I love what you're doing out there, right? Come, you know, they, they come in, shake your hand, and, man, you're great. And I love, oh, man, I got a job for you when you're done, right? Boo, you know? And they're full of shit. None of them have a job for you. And I tell young players this all the time. Just understand. There's only a handful of guys that go down with legendary status that can make a living being themselves, right? There's only a few guys that can make money because they are, you know, Lawrence Taylor, right? right? And you're just going to you're going to be able to show up to trade shows and different things and you're going to make money being Lawrence Taylor. You know, you you 
you could make a living, a decent living being, you know, I mean, fill in the blank, uh, Joe Montana or Jerry Rice. But there's only a handful of those guys. And I tell young players this all the time. Very few are going to remember that you played in the NFL and even less will care. It just doesn't matter that much. And for Antonio Brown, I mean, what a prick. <laughs> I mean, right? You think it's as simple as, and it's basically, it's based out of insecurity, but he's probably heard from Steeler fans that have said, ah, we won't. Miss you, Juju's ready to step up, right. oh, and yeah. he's better than you anyway. And oh, sure. So instead of just taking the high road, insecurity kicks in. He's like, "What are you talking about? That's the guy that fumbled our season away." Right. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's gotta be that. Right. Meanwhile, not mentioning that I didn't show up for the last week of the season. He he may have fumbled. You didn't show up. At least he fumbled. At least he was giving effort. You decided to bag out on your team. I just like that guy. You can have that, dude. You can't. You can't win with that. You can't. I don't care how. Like, life is too short to be around people you can't stand. I've always told my kids this, Mike. I go, there are two types of people in this world: those who enhance your energy and those who drain it. And don't hang around with people who drain your energy. It's not worth it. And we, you know, you because you've seen it. You know the guy from your neighborhood that you can't stand, like the guy that just sucks the life force out of you. And you're at the shopping, you're like at the grocery store, right? And you're going down one aisle and you, you turn the cart and you're rolling down the aisle. And all of a sudden you see that guy coming down the other end of that aisle. And what do you do? You, you turn and you go to a different aisle. Like I'll come back to this aisle. Because I do not want to bump into that guy because he's going to suck the life force out of me talking about shit that I don't want to talk about, right? We all know that guy. Man, life's too short to be around that dude. And you've got to excommunicate that guy from your life. That guy's in your locker room, man. He'll suck the life force out of your organization. Well, okay, then real quick then. Let's look at this very quickly from the Raiders' standpoint then. I mean, I know you have a lot of respect with uh, John Gruden. You and John are tight. So what's Gruden's motivation for taking on Antonio Brown and everything that goes with Antonio Brown? He he can't be going into this blind. Right. So what's what's the upside for him, for Gruden? Yeah, Gruden is the guy that, that got rid of Keyshawn Johnson in Tampa Bay and said, you can't be part of my team anymore, right? So, I, I mean, I think that you look at the Raiders and it's all based on talent because the guy's extreme when it comes to talent and the fact of the matter is and I told you this covering one of their games last year there wasn't a receiver on their roster that was any better than a third receiver since then Jordy Nelson's retired they moved Seth Roberts you know they're just like hey we cut him like their starters are all gone all their starting receivers see ya hope it works out for you guys and they've revamped their roster so I think he just understands that Hey, as long as I feed Antonio Brown 10, 12 balls a game, he'll, you know, he'll be okay. Like he's not going to be a problem as long as I feed him. And I think he also understands that like one, the lack of talent they have had, he is no question one of the most talented guys in football and I'm going to feed him. So he won't be a problem as long as I feed him. And there is the Vegas element. 
you're going to Vegas, you need big names, you need out uh, dynamic personalities, guys that are out front, and we'll make a splash for you when you make this move to Vegas. And, and Antonio Brown will do that. I mean, nobody has to worry about Antonio Brown being flashy. He'll be flashy. He'll be loud. Mm-hmm. He'll be demonstrative. Yeah. He'll be all the things that Vegas is. Right. And so I think that that's, I think if, I think I have enough respect for John Gruden that if he really felt the Raiders were close and that he had built something already, a culture, I don't think he does this. But I think he realizes he's in the long process of trying to build something right now. Mm-hmm. He needs talent. And. There is the PR business side of it. We are going to Vegas. Right. We need to make a splash. And and this is the kind of guy that checks some boxes on multiple fronts, even with some of the warts that he's well right. aware of, that Gruden's and, well aware and of. You know what else I think Gruden understands? I think Gruden understands that Antonio Brown will be just fine with losing. He'll be just fine with losing as long as he's getting his. So it's not going to be a problem. Antonio Brown's not going to cause a fuss if they're two and seven, but he's getting 10 targets a game. He'll be happy as a pig in shit. Boy, won't that be, won't that be revealing if week 10, the Raiders are, I don't know, three and three and seven or something. Yeah. And we're talking about the Raiders and what's wrong with the Raiders and all this and that. And yet at that point, we haven't heard a peep from Antonio Brown because he's got like, I don't know. 70 catches by then. Right, leading the league in targets. 115 targets. Yeah. Whatever, some obscene number of targets. And that'll let us know all we need to know, right? Yeah. I mean, I think I think Gruden understands it. As long as I feed him, I'm going to keep him fed. And he's not worried about winning. Ultimately, he doesn't care about winning as long as he's getting his. Hey, if, if winning's a byproduct of him getting his, then it's great. But as long as he gets his, he'll be okay. But you, there's no way you could see a scenario where he's catching seven, eight balls, 12 targets a game, and they're three and seven, and him coming out and just being like, guys, this is unacceptable. Oh, hell. I hate losing. You should hate losing. Right. And you know what? We all need to do a little bit more. We need to sacrifice right. it. If yeah. it means me getting less balls thrown my way so that we can diversify our offense, <laughs> so be it. <laughs> Don't. That will never come out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah, if it means me blocking in the running game, right, then... Right, right, No. 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 Okay. All right. You know what I'd love... Like, like, you ever see those reality shows, like, uh, you know, where they swap the wives and yeah. put you like that type of thing? Yeah. I always thought it'd be great to get, take a guy like Antonio Brown, who is completely clueless on football in general... And make him play guard for a couple of practices. Right. And just beat the shit out of him. So like NFL position swap. Right. And just like, okay, okay, mister. So it's everything is easy and we've got to be better and just get me the ball. Here you go. Block this. Like just sit in here and grind for a whole practice. And just like I'm talking about beat the shit out of him. Talk. Gosh, you know, I've, I I had this when I was in college. This is terrible. It's, it does not reflect well on me. But when I was in college, there was this, uh, yeah, some 25-year-old guy who walks on. Yeah, 
just walks on. Muscle pig, right? Just absolute, like, weight room, just looks the part. Hey, you know, he hadn't played since high school or whatever, but he's been in the weight room, and he's a giant muscle pig, and he's on the juice, you know. And he thinks that because he's got muscles, like, he can play football. And I'm playing, you know, the University of Idaho, little Division One AA. And the coaches are like, man, we don't have time for a guy that's that hasn't played since high school. You know, I mean, you just don't got time for this, right? And so he walks on, and they make him a defensive tackle. And this is the very first day of spring ball, whatever it is, right? And they line him up over me, and my old line coach comes up to me and says, um, I want you to make him quit. Oh, jeez, really? While, while we're stretching, I want you to make him quit, which was a green light. I'm like, all right, right? And – like, there are literally guys doing 5 to 10 in the state pin that did less to get there than what I did to him that day. I mean, I beat the piss out of this poor son of a gun. And to his credit now, he he lasted the whole practice. And then we walked off the field, and he took his stuff off, and he walked right to the equipment room and turned in his helmet and his shoulder pads and his gear and said, this is not for me. <laughs> And that was, why were they so determined to run him off? I mean, here's a guy that was a physical specimen. Why not turn him into a football player? Because it just doesn't it, like it. It doesn't work that. I mean, he wasn't a good football player. Like he wasn't going to become all of a sudden a good football player, and he hadn't played forever. And they're just like, this is an, an you know, and you always get you always get a handful of guys that think. Because I played high school at some, and oh yeah, I could I could play, and this is you know one double A. It's not like Division One, you know, one of the big programs. And you get guys that think they can play. So the coaches were like, "It's just not worth the hassle, right?" It's just as a so get him out just, of here. Yeah, like, and it and and by the way, if he stands up and he and he plays well, and, and you know, and then you're like, okay, he didn't quit. Yeah. It's just or if he. Or if he Gets through the whole practice and right. says, "I'll be back tomorrow. Keep mm-hmm. dishing it out. I'm I'm here." Then you're now, right. the, now it turns to respect, but right. But there's you know you got X number of guys and you got so many scholarships and you got you know and and um, I, I get it is interesting that they had an open kind of a open policy for walk ons and they let them walk on and then like uh, this is not going to work. Boy, after this story, I'm glad that Rudy Rudiger didn't go to Idaho. No, Rudy, yeah, there'd be no Rudy. That Rudy that, got the piss beat out by of him the way, too. But. By the way, I'm doing a, I'm doing a, uh, I am doing a, an event at the Super Bowl just last this last Super Bowl with uh, Joe Montana, and somebody asked him, "We're doing the event about Rudy," and it is so funny to hear guys uh, that went to Notre Dame that like he oh, wasn't there at the time, was he? Was he at, was he there yeah. at the time of Rudy? Yeah. Oh, he was. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Oh, yeah. I guess I never. Rudy's connected like a, the dots of uh, the time frame. Okay, Rudy. Yeah, he's like we ain't not one of us walked into turning our jerseys. <laughs> like Rudy, Rudy was like they couldn't stand Rudy. Oh, the no. whole, the whole, yeah, the whole no. story is it's completely fabricated. Oh no! Oh yeah! Oh no! Oh yeah! Really? I thought it was like. I mean, I know that Hollywood takes liberties, but I thought that there was some 
no. strong foundation of truth there. Are you tell me the whole movie's a myth? Oh, it's the it's the world according to Rudy. Yeah, I mean he he he, he bounced around for twenty years trying to sell that script. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know now I'm starting to fabricate a little bit, but I think the whole <laughs> carrying him off the field was all a joke. Really? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure. I, you know, I mean that he was in on. Huh? Was he in on it? Who? Rudy. No, the guys were getting like, like Rudy was. I'm just telling you the whole the whole thing is completely. It's the it's a joke. Okay. It's a joke. But how do we even get there? Lining up uh, Antonio Brown, like lining up, <laughs> line Antonio up Brown, <laughs> lining him up at guard, and just making him kind of understand what everybody else has to do for him to get a ball sent his way. Just so he got a feel of it. Yeah. One on what we do, they're out there running routes and having fun, and we're over there beating the living piss out of one another in one on ones. Just have him go through that for the day. Oh, man, that would just make me, that would, I would be so happy (laughs) about that. You're just like, you got like an evil, maniacal grin on your face. You're like, oh. Yeah. Anyhow. All right. All right. For whatever it's worth. All right. That's pretty much it, huh? That's it. All right. Uh, until next time, we would like to thank you all for listening to the Stinky Truth Podcast. Really appreciate you. And uh, we shall return later on in the week. Uh, but make sure you go out there and get yourself some core water. Check them out. Hydratewithcore.com. For Mike, myself, for Scott, uh, we'll talk to you down the road.